Hello humans. Hello humans. October 4th. It's about uh, creeping up on 8.30. Getting a late start here. Heading inland. Uh, got all my chores. Got to pick up a bunch of stuff today. And a couple of other small stops. Now what's this toad doing? Uh, people in there driving. Jeez. Anyway, um, it's cold-ish, ish. It's actually a 14 degree um, temperature difference. Um, over the other day, we were at 39 degrees on the beach uh, in the morning when I got up. Um, this was like uh, Sunday morning. And then uh, Monday morning, we had chemtrails and it was uh, 54 that kind of thing, right? So the chemtrails really hold the uh, heat local to the planet. And it's uh, actually chemtrails are emblematic of what we've been dealing with. So it's seriously foggy here. I'm going to have to <laughs> pay attention to my driving. i got to go a little slow. But um, I know there were chemtrails last night. We saw them all day yesterday and uh, they've been very extensive so something is like um, prompting them to be uh, more visible doing more of them uh, than in the past er, in the recent past okay so let me see in like probably it was May alright um, it was May of 19... 91 or 92. Uh, in Olympia, I had been uh, uh, bicycling, and uh, this was a few years before the saw went through my leg and ended that. I can ride a bicycle, but it just doesn't quite work so much with, uh, you know, like um, half an inch, your, one leg's half an inch shorter than the other because of the saw action, right? So, so it screwed things up. Anyway, so I pretty much stopped riding my bike, but in the in the 90s, it was a good way to unwind and, you know, get some exercise and get out and that sort of thing. I was uh, doing um, uh, subcontracting for state government and for other places, working very hard, and was uh, gnawing on this idea that would ultimately become my WebBot program. You know, I was, I was thinking about it. There was all kinds of issues and not the coding hadn't started that, but I mean, just the concept, right? Anyway, so... I'm out riding my bike on one of these bike trails over near Evergreen State College, uh, which was a great place to ride then in the 90s. It was before it had been uh, polluted by all the Waconians in the, uh, you know, 2012 onward, um, which was an interesting thing. Uh, in 2015, I'll get back to the bike ride in a minute, but in 2015, I'm over walking the dogs on one of the sidewalks in... Um, at Evergreen, maybe, maybe it was 2016, one of the two. Anyway, I was confronted by this very large black woman. Maybe she was, you know, uh, 350, 400 pounds, like large. And um, this short um, guy who was eh, sort of sort of Mexican, maybe. Um, anyway, and, and he was short and thin. And they were serious Waconians. They had baseball bats, and they threatened to beat 
my dogs to death. If I didn't get them off the sidewalk, I was this was not a place for white supremacists to do something, you know, some kind of, they had all this jargon. And it was like, I, you know, I couldn't wrap my mind around it. I'd been thinking about coding on this particular problem. I'm just walking along trying to get the, the code to resolve in my head and I'm confronted by these two. And it's like, okay. And you know, it was, um, uh, early enough in the year, probably also about April or May or something, it was still, it was a little cold, it had been raining, I had a coat on, I stuck my hand in, in my in my coat pocket, and I said, if you guys don't get out of here, I'm going to put a 38 slug in both of your heads. And just, you know, and the, my dogs are going crazy by that time, they saw the baseball bats, they were just, they were starting to flip out. Anyway, and so these guys assumed I had a weapon and left, you know, it, uh, they didn't push it. You know, because I told them, like all good white supremacists, you know, I carry a Smith & Wesson 38 revolver. And, I, and I've got six shots in here. That's three for each of you. I will shoot one in your head and then and then take out your other two of your eyes. You know, you always want to leave them thinking about body parts that are going to be destroyed, right? So it focuses uh, the threats. You don't say, you know, I'm going to fuck you up. You say, you know, I'm going to uh, cut your tongue out and shove it up your ass, right? So you have specific... Uh, body parts to uh, to think about. It changes the nature of threats. Anyway, so it's just weird. You know, that was probably about the same time that the Weinsteins, Brett and, and uh, Heather Hang, you know, Brett Weinstein, Heather Hang, were being uh, harassed by these fuckers on um, on campus. About that same time period. Um, should, they should have seen it coming. You know, they were, in my opinion, they were really stupid to have walked into that situation because they were there as it was developing. They should have seen it coming coming their way. But then again, they're normies and they just don't see a lot of this stuff. And so that brings us back to chemtrails and the fact that the normies don't see them. Um, I actually talked to a guy uh, when I was uh, in town here like uh, three weeks back and I was standing outside chatting with some fellows, uh, a couple of very nice Mexican guys I know. Um, and I was talking to this guy, Lupe, and pointing out the chemtrails as to why he had sniffly um, snout and all of this kind of stuff, right? Uh, he was saying, you know, he's Mexican, you know, cayenne pepper shouldn't do this to him. And I laughed. I said, cayenne pepper makes everybody's snout run, no matter how much you eat it. But hey, the reason that your, your snout's acting up at the moment is we're standing out here getting, you know, inundated with aluminum and all these other particles coming out of these chemtrails. And we're looking up, pointing at the chemtrails. Anyway, and, and his boss comes out, and we're standing around talking, his boss is an old white guy like myself. He's like, not quite as old as I am, maybe he's 65 or something. And he said, oh no, I don't, I don't, uh, I pointed out the chemtrails and how nasty it was and stuff. And he says, mm, I don't see those. He says, I, I don't see those. So he was like a normie. So his mind could not accept what we were actually all looking at, right? And and if you're, you know, if you're a working class guy and you you've uh, had a hard life, you do not accept the same paradigm <laughs> that someone that's had an easy life, right? And so you see the fuckers out there trying to kill you, uh, you know, or do other shit like with the chemtrails. And so uh, so let's look at the chemtrails in relation to like the. Um, the the EAS or EBS test today, right? Uh, so they're not telling us what they're doing. They're just announcing that they're going to have a test, and they're they're giving you some um, quasi technical shit to uh, you know get the normies off their back, and then that's it. 
Uh, they're not saying why they're doing it, why it takes two hours, why it's unusual, why it's different than any of the others, etc., etc. And so we get the same kind of um, uh, non-verbal acknowledgement about chemtrails. We got all this shit about weather, you know, and it's like, well, guys, if there's global heating, if there's global warming, it's because of the fucking chemtrails. And then they say, what chemtrails? What the fuck are you talking about? No, those are contrails. Those are only... And I say, well, wait a second. According to official literature, we have not used water-injected engines in commercial airplanes since the early 1990s. They phased those out in, in, I want to say, 1995, okay? And so um, uh, there's no reason to have contrails even because only the military and some special planes are using water-injected engines at altitude. Um, I'm not going to go into the technical aspects of why they do that, okay? Uh, But um, so there's no commercial um, planes that are running those kind of engines these days. So it's, it's physically impossible for those to be contrails. Uh, because that requires a water-injected uh, turbine. They actually put water into the turbine uh, to get the um, gases out of the water, basically, to boost the effect of the uh, jet airplane and cut down on the amount of fuel needed. I mean, the, the jet engine, the engine part itself. Anyway, so um, so here we have chemtrails. They're out there. Anybody with... Um, eyes and, and a happenstance to go outside during the day when they're doing them. They don't do them every day. They don't do them every day in every spot. Every place they do them, they don't do them every day. They might do them, you know, on a schedule. Some days are exceptionally heavy where you just can't miss it if you're willing to look up and see them. Um, if you're unwilling to see, you'll never see them. So anyway, so we've got chemtrails. So, um, this is a, a giant fucking conspiracy, unacknowledged. Um, they're just now, in like the last 20 years, have started acknowledging that chemtrails as a conspiracy exists, but that's as far as they go, and then they drop it immediately. Okay, because this is one of those conspiracies where you can go on out and prove it to yourself just by looking up in the sky and watching them. But the thing was, getting back to the 1990s, I'm out riding on my bike, and I'd seen the the what I thought were contrails. And I, and at that time, they were really starting to push the whole um, global warming, climate change, coming up with all of this. It's a long, slow process. It's been tedious for us guys. It has never been factual. They were pushing the overpopulation thing, all of this shit, right? And um, the I'm out riding on my bike, and uh, it's first part of May, maybe even like May 1, something like that, right? And it was decent weather and stuff. Uh, and I look up, there's sunshine, and here's a cloud floating over my head, not that far up, you know, a couple hundred feet. Um, and it had a rainbow in it, but not a usual rainbow. It didn't have the rainbow as an arc coming down, it had this flat rainbow that that was basically reacting with whatever the chemicals in the chemtrails were and the sunlight to produce the, the rainbow as this horizontal that looked very, very solid, very 
uh, thick, very viscous kind of a rainbow. And so I was just really a little, it was a little strange. I didn't have a camera, you know, I never took my phone out at that time. Um, you know, it was a big clunky thing anyway. Um, and uh, so I couldn't take a picture of it. And, you know, I tried to tell people about it and I didn't know what the cause was or whatever, but that was like my first, first official sighting of, you know, that I could acknowledge to myself of a clearly atypical thing in the sky that was not a cloud. And I didn't know they were man-made at that time, right? I thought this was some kind of happenstance of pollution local to me or some weird shit. Didn't know what the fuck caused it, but it, it was um, somewhat concerning. And then over the years, we get the chemtrails. Finally, when I see what they're doing, I just can't believe it. You know, I start railing against it, but there's no use because of the mind control on the normies. None of the normies are seeing this. And if you're unwilling to see it, you're unwilling to see it. And there's no good me talking to you about it at all. So anyway, so it's a weird kind of a thing. Very frustrating mentally for all of us guys that saw the chemtrails and wanted them to stop. Now, here we are uh, decades into the chemtrails. So I actually have done history, uh, examination in history, and I can find instances in films, uh, both um, uh, military kind of training films and stuff, as well as commercial product films in various different uh, great, you know, documentaries, movies, and this kind of stuff. And I can see uh, chemtrails being put into the sky as far back as 1969. And, I, and I've writ, uh, gotten into some of the literature and some of the um, patents that are involved and this sort of thing and traced them back. And I can see that where sometime in the 60s, they decided for whatever reason to do these things, that's not really usually listed in any of the techni technical descriptions I've gotten at, right? It's all the practical stuff of, of this is a matter of fact, not a why we're doing this kind of a thing, not a policy statement as to what it is all about. Anyway, so I found that they go back to 1969. They're heavily, heavily loaded with aluminum, uh, barium, strontium, cesium, all of these different kinds of things in them, right? And um, going back to 69 then, in the history of it all, I have yet to find a, uh, a reasonable explanation for any of the why of it. So that's really interesting itself. I've seen some feints, that is some... Uh, some, oh, well, we're doing it for this kind of reason, right? That just doesn't make all of the sense. So, so I'm very curious to, as to what's going on in actuality with the, uh, the why of it all, okay? But in 69, they were doing them up here in the Pacific Northwest. And um, uh, I, re I used to work for fisheries in the um, 80s. We would uh, see these in the late 80s and early 90s, I was working for fisheries, uh, off and on, intermittently doing subcontracts, this kind of thing. So not like an employee or anything, right? Anyway, so um, they would take me sometimes. I, I'd get the guys to, you know, I'd get my work done early or whatever, a subcontractor. And these guys were quite happy to have me have a day out with the crews. Okay, with all the fisheries crews, because this way I could write the software better for them, actually having understood what they were doing. So I'd go be manual labor. You know, I'd work in uh, laying riprap to rebuild stream sides, you know, cleaning out streams, cleaning out culverts, uh, you know, all these kind of things. So we'd go up into the hills and I'd work with these crews, uh, you know, a day here, a day there. So it was good for me to get out of the office kind of a deal. Um, anyway, and so I started seeing the chemtrails up in uh, the 
uh, Cascades and over the Olympics. And from the Cascades, I could actually see the buggers um, uh, laying them out over in the Olympics and not understanding what was what I was looking at, right? So in that sense, I was still a normie. I was, this was back in the late 80s, maybe 88, 89, something like that. And I, I'd, we were up in the Cascades, but I had a view across all of Puget Sound from where we were at on this particular hill. Uh, and I was sitting there eating lunch and uh, uh, I watched these planes lay down a grid of chemtrails over the Olympics and could not fathom what I was looking at. I knew they were airplanes. I knew that they were going back and forth, but I had no fucking idea. And see, at that point, I was still assuming the contrail, the chemtrails were natural contrails because I hadn't investigated the nature of the engines at that point and didn't understand that they were even at that stage phasing out all of the water injected engines for all kinds of different reasons. Anyway, so uh, so they existed then. And then after I saw my first one in the 90s, maybe it was mm, like like two years later. So so maybe that was 90 or 91. And then, then later it was like, no, it would have been 94. Okay, so it was after I started programming on the, um, on the Alter Report software, uh, I took a kayak I had made, a, a Trimaran kayak, um, out onto the, it was a Trimaran kayak uh, sailboat, and I took it off uh, over Nisqually Reach, went off a lure beach over there at the um, research station, at the fisheries research station there, and uh, took it off the beach and was out in the water for a tidal cycle, right, for half a tidal cycle. And so, because of the nature of the beach, I didn't want to drag my boat up all of this rock. So I just paddled around for a few hours until the tide came up to where it was relatively easy to uh, get the boat uh, off of the off the water and back into the truck. Um, I was heavy into building boats at that point. Um, anyway, <laughs> so I'm out there and I had nothing to do for like six hours. Uh, paddle around this very wide, flat area. I enjoyed the, the water and stuff, but I'd seen it all before, so it wasn't like I was exploring new territory. And so I kept my focus up, and I saw these five planes uh, laying out three separate grids, and they would do them over Puget Sound. The winds were mm, decent, okay? Even down in the uh, on the sound, I was dealing with two and three mile an hour winds. So I, I could feel it if I was paddling against it, right? And also if I was paddling with it, it was, it was aiding me. Um, anyway, and so I watched them do this grid, you know, back and forth. There's all the lines and they put the cross lines and then they put diagonals. And by that time it blows inland. And then it can't be more than 15 minutes after the thing had blown in. And I see the planes are back and they did it all over again. And then, then they did it again later on. So in the course of six hours, uh, I saw uh, three of these big rafts, I call them chemtrail rafts, that they, um, they created that were blowing inland. And then I realized, okay, they want them to blow inland. They want to create them here such that the whole mass of this shit is going to blow east of the mountains. Because it was blown over the top of the, um, the Cascades. It was up that high. Now, still, I have no fucking idea what they're doing with them, right? I have no clue. Uh, but at least I knew they were there. And I wasn't operating as a normie in the sense that, you know, because everybody has to operate as a normie. You've got to uh, make the assumption that coffee doesn't kill you. And then every day you drink coffee and you don't have a worry about it, right? If you're super, super paranoid, then, you know, then every day you've got to check your coffee to make sure that the coffee hasn't been poisoned and it won't kill you. That sort of thing, right? So anyway, um, 
I was operating on the, all right, there's some weird shit going on here. And then I, I started trying to talk to people and nobody believes me. So there's no point continuing with that. You know, I don't, I, as a, as a paranoid, you get people looking at you screwy anyway, saying, okay, you know, what's, what's your, what's your deal there, Jack. And so you don't want to add to it, right? You want to try and blend in as much as you can. Uh, with the normie population, not cause yourself any problems. So at some point you just give it up. Now, if you're in a theater and there's a fire and you can see it, and you can point it out, then you stand up and you shout fire and that would be a normie thing to do, right? But if you're in a theater and it's got a glass roof and you shout chemtrails, everybody's going to say, huh? You know, get that screwy fucker out of here. Anyway, so, um, so, okay, so <laughs> as of this point, I have gotten some reasonably solid uh, information about chemtrails. So if we go back to 1969 and we take 1969 as the start of the chemtrail program, and it doesn't matter, you could actually choose 65 or you could choose 75 and you're going to get the same results, um, but it started sometime in that 10-year period, in that decade, and um, since then, all males across all species in the northern hemisphere have lost statistically about 50% of their sperm production. Okay, so so is it a depopulation agenda kind of thing? Maybe so. We also note that along with the reduction in the um, uh, sperm counts, we have much lower testosterone as a mean across all of the males. And so that's why we have so many uh, feminized males now and so many beta males within our population, in my opinion, is because this is uh, an aspect of uh, these continuous decades of chemtrailing, of all the aluminum salts and all of this. We also notice that if you want to look at it statistically, since 1969, we've had this bloom uh, coming on of uh, what I uh, call neurine diseases, okay? Diseases that are diseases of the functioning of the fluids in the, in the nerves. Uh, so we have, you know, Alzheimer's, um, all the, um, the dementia, um, uh, plaques in the brain kind of diseases. We have the muscular dystrophy. We have all of these kind of things. And these are emerging um, and are statistically significantly increasing since um, the 60s. So now, since 1969, the number of reported instances of all of this stuff, like um, ADHD, uh, what they're saying are uh, vaccine injuries, right? From all, and it's true, you got 72 vaccines going into a kid by the time they're a year old or whatever the fuck it is. Of course they're being injured. Of course their whole system is being fucked over. They're being deliberately poisoned. Vaccines, in my opinion, you know, uh, a vaccine producer um, uh, should have their life on, on the line. So, you know, we'll say, okay, got a new vaccine. All right, if four people die, then everybody who worked on this vaccine has to die too. Uh, that kind of thing. I'm a harsh fucker, right? And so, um, and so if you, in my opinion, if you deal in mRNA technology, if you make it, you produce it, you sell it, you inject it, then I think you should be charged with a, a attempted murder. And if convicted, I think you should be executed. Uh, you know, there is no no um, 
recompense for this. There is no coming back from this, from my viewpoint, if you're on that side of things. In any event, though, so like I say, I'm harsh on all of this. But, all right, so we've had all of these disease increases, and we've also had the uh, total alteration of um, males in these areas where there are chemtrails. We find this feminization. We find the rise of a very large population of beta males and um, reduction in sperm counts and all kinds of other sociological effects that are also um, in lockstep with those. Now, do we see these in Russia? No, Russia doesn't do chemtrails. They did for a while. I don't know why. I don't know what the rationale was, but they stopped. And we don't see them discussing this. Now, at some point, I'm going to have to do a literature research on chemtrails in Russian and see what I can find, but I, I have yet to get into that. There's a lot of work here, and we've got some other um, major mystery stuff going on. So here we have a mystery that's in your face that is available for everybody with a clear day to see it when they start spraying the chemtrails. So for instance, I've got fog now, so I couldn't tell you if there were chemtrails or not, unless I heard a jet. And then I could say, well, the probability is that there is a chemtrail because I heard the jet. Now, um, so this is a giant, giant, big conspiracy. It's right out in your face. And it doesn't do any good to bring it up. Nobody discusses it. It's, it's sort of like an ignored conspiracy, right? Uh, I mean, you got weird-ass conspiracies like the, um, uh, you know, the uh, turn you into a zombie uh, lipid nanoparticles coming out from 5G that are being discussed all the hell and gone. Very unlikely that any of that's going to occur, although I do note that I've got my phone all wrapped up in tinfoil, uh, in aluminum foil as a Faraday cage since I'm driving into town, and I may need it, right? I mean, if something happens, I break down, I'm going to need the phone. Assuming I can get through, assuming there's bandwidth, etc. Anyway, so um, we've got a. Uh, so you can't. So it's not possible for someone to say, well, you could not have a conspiracy where the item of the conspiracy is sitting out there and everybody could see it if they wanted to go and see it and have this persist for decades and have and not have the normies wake up. And it's like, dude, you know, of course that you can. Of course the normies won't wake up. I mean, the normies have been, they're quite happy with their dollar bills. And this is a conspiracy that's been going on since 1890, and it was activated and in our face in 1913. And we're still dealing with it. See, so hundreds of years of uh, conspiracies in your face that are unacknowledged and are still being run by the uh, evil motherfucking bastards on the other side that create these things. So now I've found some rationales for chemtrails in our literature and in some of the patents. All right. The rationales make perfect scientific sense. So there, there's um, one set of patents that talks about the idea of being able to bounce electricity in these various frequencies, basically radio waves, off of aluminum particulates as well as other metals uh, suspended in the air and then to use those as a remote neutrino detector okay 
So the, the theory is that you would have these, um, you'd spray all these aluminum particles into the, way up into the air, and then you'd energize them because they would be ionic, right? So they'd want to have a charge. They're going to pick up some kind of a charge in the air just falling down. This falling down uh, part is going to be extremely slow, uh, you know, because they don't weigh much. Um, and they're actually shaped to, to slow that even further and to cause more agitation in the air as they fall such that they will gain more potential charge. And as these charges uh, fall down through the air and they gain further charge, you build up what, it, what is, in essence, a matrix of standing waves. And so if, there, uh, so if you've got a, uh, an uh, electrical charge sensor, and that electrical charge sensor is um, focused on these standing waves, it would note that all the standing waves are, are there vibrating at, you know, such and such a, a, a millihertz level, right? It's some number. It doesn't matter what the number is. You know, 142, right? And so uh, then if you had neutrinos uh, being released into that environment, those neutrinos are going to go... Their neutrinos are very fast-moving, uh, high-energy particles, very high energy not like an ion, but they are charge-disruptive and charge-valent uh, uh, particulates, okay? They can alter the valence of a, a charge. They can discharge or actively charge things based on their passing of that particular standing wave, of that particular electrical uh, impulse. Anyway, and so uh, neutrinos would basically leave an electrical hole in your uh, grid that you're connected to, your grid would be an electrical uh, standing wave um, matrice, right? It'd be a matrix. Um, and so you would know. So you could use technically uh, or theoretically, but but I mean, I haven't seen it work or anything. I don't know about the devices, but these guys say they've got a patent. They've got it demonstrated. The government gave them a patent and then they uh, restricted access to it. Uh, basically not letting people do this stuff so you, you understand that it's in their, you know, secret weapons kind of thing, programs. But in any event, so um, there's patents that say that you can do this, that you can actually use these things in neutrino detectors. And so it would make sense that you could indeed do that. Now, you could also use chemtrails to obscure something in the sense of uh, obscure vision. And since they're aluminum, it would also obscure vision in, to some degree in the uh, radio frequency range, which would include radar. And so, uh, so technically, you could probably use, um, in a time of war, you could probably cover your skies with uh, chemtrails and prevent uh, people in airplanes from, A, being able to see the ground effectively, uh, or see anything up there that's, you know, headed their way, but you could also use it to distort their electronic view of things, right? And anyway, so, uh, so that would be uh, a possibility that could be done. You could actually use your uh, chemtrails as a detector of neutrinos. Now, why would that be important? Well... Uh, because uh, theoretically, uh, the UFOs, um, uh, theoretically, the UFOs 
are doing that. They're they're <laughs> releasing neutrinos as they go through the air as they pop in and out. So you could use it as a UFO detector. Now, do they? I don't know. Uh, probably, if they're doing the chemtrails anyway, I don't see why they wouldn't. Uh, so anyway, though, so there is a giant conspiracy that's out in your face, um, and we all refuse to acknowledge it. We don't ever discuss it. It's been going on, in my opinion, since 1969 at least, but certainly you've been able to see them since the 90s. And uh, it's, uh, you know, it's the whale that's sitting on top of the elephant that's sitting in the middle of your living room that nobody talks about. And so there are others, right? And there are others that you don't even know about. And maybe we'll get into some of those later. <laughs> okay. All right. I got to get some stuff done. <laughs>